to another episode of the MJ Podcast with yours truly, Laurel L. Boogie, Laurel Ann, and I am so glad that you are still listening to little old me. I have a question for you today. Here on the eve of 2022, do you have regrets? Are there regrets that you're living with? Things you wish you'd done differently? Maybe things you wish you'd said or not said? Do you have regrets in your life? What would you have done differently if you could go back and do it all over again? Would you change anything? Would you make any different decisions than the ones that you made. Perhaps you would have chosen a different path in life, a different career, different school, different friends, a different spouse. Maybe you would have chosen another way of life entirely. But usually when we have regrets, It often has to do with people. People in our lives are people that are no longer in our lives. Things that we would have said to them that we didn't say. Things we wish we hadn't said. Maybe we would have given them more of our time. Maybe we would have done that relationship completely differently handled everything in another way if we had the chance to do it all again. Regrets. Regrets are real. Many have them. I know I do. The problem with regret is that you usually don't feel regretful or remorseful until after you see the consequences of those decisions. You didn't think that would come about when you did that. You didn't think they would respond that way when you said that. Regret really does not and cannot come about until the effect has occurred. And the thing that caused it is then a regret. It is a remorse. It is something you wish you could take back. And again, this often occurs in relationships because it's how it affected others, not just you. If it's just you, nobody's around to know about it. You're not accountable to anyone. Nobody's going to call you on your stuff. The impact is minimal when it's just you involved. And while you may have regrets still of things that you've done to yourself, most of the time, regrets come in the form of relationships. How we treated another, how we didn't treat another. Wishing we could go back, spend time, and redo that day, redo that situation, redo those words. Chapter eight of Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, talks about a love story. A woman who is longing for her beloved She says, oh, that you were like a brother to me. If I had found you outdoors, I would kiss you. And no one would despise me. I would lead you and bring you to the house of my mother who taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranate. This woman in Song of Solomon is longing for her lover. 
She is longing for the one that her soul loves. Now, chapter 8 is the last chapter in this book of the Bible. And this song, the Song of Solomon, is the song, the heart of the Bible. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live and walk this earth, other than Christ himself, had lots of songs. But this one is the song of all songs. And it's a story about lovers. Again, when there are regrets, the most common regrets, the most profound hurts, are often in our love life. Our deepest wounds are often in our love life. I just read to you the first two verses of chapter 8, but already in verse 4, this same woman says, I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken love until the time is right. You see, there is a story before chapter 8. There are seven other chapters about when her bridegroom, her man, came looking for her, came seeking her company, wanting to be with her, and she turned him down. Then she decides she wants to be with him, and she goes out looking for him, but he's nowhere to be found. Oh, this is the love story of all time, isn't it? And so she's longing at the end of this story. She has a longing in her heart to be with the one that she loves. She is remembering their time together. His left hand under my head and his right arm embraces me. I roused you under the apple tree there where your mother conceived you. And she asked that she would be set as a seal over his heart and a seal upon his arms. Isn't that beautiful? I love this book in the Bible. Um, It's not one that you can easily talk about because it's one of closeness. It's one of intimacy. And like so many people, it's hard to share your true heart and your true feelings with anyone, let alone the world. That's why... It's called intimacy. It can't be shared with just anyone. Not just anyone should be privy to your inner monologue, to your thoughts, to your feelings, to your heart. The Bible tells us to guard our heart. And then right here in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7, It tells us if a man were to give all of his money and all of his wealth for love, his offer would be utterly despised, scorned, rejected. So there's a lesson here about love, about regret, And about another topic I've touched on before, about judgment. Love, judgment, regret, remorse. All of these things, all of these complicated emotions are intermingled in love stories. In love stories of man and even in the love story of God. God has a love story with man. He created man because he wanted a bride for his son, Jesus Christ. God wanted a family. God wanted to give his son a family. Jesus is Solomon in the story of Song of Songs. The bride is his church, his woman. 
in Hebrew, the word woman and the word wife are, are the same word. They're not two different words. When a man takes a woman, I mean, to have, again, just like Jesus said to the woman at the well, God considers you having sex with somebody as becoming one with them. When you take that woman, you're becoming one. It's a spiritual act. It affects the flesh. You're becoming one flesh. It affects the soul. It affects your mind. And in this story, this woman has a love affair with Solomon. It's Solomon's woman. And now her mind is affected. Her soul is affected. And she's longing for another. She's longing for, for her man. She's longing, you know, she's no longer content with just being alone and being by herself. Why? Because she's experienced a man. And so now she wants to be with her man. So let's go back to God's love story. Because we talked about having regrets. And oftentimes, we don't have regrets until it's love gone wrong. So did love go wrong with God's love story with man? Yes. It didn't take long before right there in Genesis 6 that mankind was so wicked that that God actually regretted that he'd even made man. His heart was broken because he was so grieved because of the wickedness of mankind. And there's some, there's some uh, backstory to why man was so wicked. They were so wicked because they were intermingling with the sons of God. So the daughters of men had relations with the sons of God. These were fallen angels. This isn't even my own teaching, folks. This is something that I've been taught by my pastor. That these women, daughters of men, just regular women, had relations with fallen angels and bore children to them. And these were the children who became the mighty men of old, the men of renown, the heroes of old, the mythological people that we tell like it's some fairy tale story from Greek mythology, but really the Bible says they existed. This was before the flood. The Nephilim, the giants were on the earth in those days. The Bible explains everything in history, explains it with accuracy and truth and knowledge and the Nephilim were on the earth in those days as well as afterwards then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every thought and inclination of man's hearts was only evil all the time So the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth. He was so grieved in his heart. And he said, I will blot out man who I created from the face of the earth. Every man, every beast, every crawling creature, every bird in the sky. For I am grieved. I've made them. That's Genesis 6 verses 5 through 7. He was so grieved that he regretted even giving birth to creation. Wow. I mean, have you ever grieved your mother so bad that she regretted the day she she gave birth to you? That's some deep stuff. That's some sorrow right there, folks. Luckily, it doesn't end there. Genesis 6, 8 says, Noah, however, found favor in the eyes of the Lord, that he was a righteous and blameless man. Now, blameless and righteous, these are words that are referring to a believer 
These are words that are referring to blameless. In this case, he was still all man. He was only man. He wasn't man and Nephilim. Now, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and full of violence. And God looked upon the earth and saw that it was corrupt. For all the creatures on the earth had corrupted their ways. So this is again talking about creatures, all the living beings, even celestial beings had corrupted their ways. And they're not supposed to go into these women of of men, um, daughters of men, but they did. For whatever reason, this was the great wickedness on the earth. And in God's foresight, in Genesis 5, God had begun to cut the life of man short. So men were living hundreds of years, like 900 years. Genesis 5 goes through the genealogy to get from Adam to Noah. And it's like people were living these crazy long lifespans, again, because man had just fallen from um, immortality, from being in the presence of God completely. Adam lived 930 years. That's crazy. Seth lived 912. Enosh, 905. Like, like you've never even heard of somebody living 900 years. And Enoch, 365. (laughs) So it begins to gradually, um, slowly decrease. But of course, Enoch got raptured. (laughs) So he never even actually died. And so it was like God foresaw this outbreak of evil and wickedness with man and these, these beings and these celestial beings. And before he goes into that in verse 4 in Genesis 6, he says in Genesis 6 verse 3, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is immortal. His days shall be 120. Right? So they were just becoming more wicked the longer they lived. And obviously, the increase of God's spirit upon mankind, his presence began to dwindle as man became more wicked. And he said, my spirit will not contend with man forever. Right? He's mortal. Dying you shall die is what God promised Adam if he partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so this is what God says. Men are going to only live 120 years tops um, before this outbreak of, of wickedness happened with the angels. He wished he'd never even made man. Ouch. That's bad, y'all. That's really bad. You know you messed up then. But here's the good news. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. And I've written about this before, but I want you to see this from God's eyes that are like hundreds of thousands of miles above ours. The bigger picture here is that Christ is a picture of Noah. That the man who found favor with God is Christ. Jesus is the favor of God on our lives. Jesus is the favor of God for each person, for every believer. Because favor, what is it? It's not fair, right? It's undeserved favor. If you've got favor with somebody, it just means they like you for no reason, right? (laughs) It just means they just like you. They can't explain it. They just like you. They don't know why. They just like you. Nothing you did to earn it. Nothing you did to merit it. Nothing you did um, to deserve it. It's just that somebody happens to favor you. And that's what God did for us through Jesus Christ. But because Christ is a man whom God favors, whom God dearly loves, Jesus is God. And Jesus says in Mark ten eighteen, no one is good except God alone. So 
God is a man because God is, because Christ is God. Doesn't have sinful flesh, doesn't have sin in his blood like, like we do, but God is father, God is son, and God is Holy Spirit. And so here we see that God calls Noah someone who's found favor in his sight. God also calls Jesus Christ the true ark of the covenant. So why does God save Noah? Because God loves man. God created man. Even though they messed up and and went and had sex with all these demonic spirits and evil angels and created these Nephilim, God didn't save the angels. God let them drown in the flood. Remember, they were evil. They rejected God. They rejected Noah. Noah was preaching repentance while he was building that ark. But God saved Noah and his family in the boat. He saved mankind through Jesus Christ. He's not going to save those who reject him. Why? Because they made their choice. They absolutely made their choice. What did Noah do to be good? Well, no one is good except God alone. We know that Noah gets drunk after he gets off the ship. So is Noah perfect? No, no one is good except God alone. Christ is the perfect man. And we are saved by faith in Christ. We are sanctified in Christ. We are holy people in Christ. We were created new creations in Christ. God sees us in Christ. He doesn't see us in our own sin. He doesn't see us in our own deeds, in our own actions, because we would never be and will never be good enough. We will never be perfect. Why did God save Noah? Because he was a human, because he was a man. And Noah was righteous. So that also means in a New Testament uh, translation, he believed in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The only way that when God comes and finally destroys this earth again, not by floodwaters, but by fire, when God decides to destroy the earth again because of the great wickedness on the earth and the demonic activity on the earth, I mean, all demonic activity is still coming from the same place, Satan, principalities, powers of darkness, of evil, the Antichrist. But he's been judged since the foundations of the world because the lamb was slain in the foundations of the world. That was an eternal work that Christ did, dying for the sins of of all the world. And so when Christ comes back to destroy earth again and give us a new heaven and a new earth, just like when Noah got off the, the boat with his family to a new earth, well, That's exactly what's going to happen with believers. We are going to be saved from judgment, from the fire of God, from the waters of God. We will be saved. But not those who don't believe. They're going to hell. They're going to perdition. They are sons of perdition because they don't accept Christ, unfortunately. So, This is where I say there's a choice to be made in relationships with people in love and then there's relationship with God and man. Because how often (laughs) when we are not loved in return do we turn and get judged? Do we turn and get talked about? I mean, it's not you think that man is everything. You don't see any of his flaws. You don't have anything bad to say about him until you're rejected, ladies. And then all of a sudden, all the, all the beef comes out. Same thing with you gentlemen. You had high hopes. You just thought she was wonderful. You had no bad thought about her. And then all of a sudden, she rejects you. And you got all kinds of negative things to say. Well, when there was acceptance... When there was only love being shown, there's only love being portrayed as, as God, you know, holds out his hands of love to be accepted. When there's only love, 
being offered and acceptance being offered, you don't see the wrath side. You don't see the anger side. But if all of that love that's being offered, if all of that acceptance that's being offered when someone's holding out you know, their hands and their arms to be loved and accepted by you, if that gets rejected, as people will reject Christ and reject God, what is to follow is judgment. Ultimately, for those who don't accept Christ, judgment awaits. They're already condemned because the, the act has already been done. The cross has already happened. And so people are presented with that choice. Each person has to decide by their own free will whether or not they will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as their eternal salvation, as their only way to God, as their only way to eternal life, as the only way to heaven, the only way to be right with God. That's the only spirit that loves you is the Holy Spirit because it's the third person of God who is love. God is love. And here's the thing, you can't buy love. If you were to give all the wealth of your house, it would be utterly scorned. Who knows this better than Christ? He was despised and rejected and we esteemed him not. Why? Because people want to earn their way. They want to be good enough for God. They want to perform. They shun perfect love and perfect goodness because they don't think they, they deserve it. And that's, that's the truth. We don't. I mean, we really don't, folks. God loves us because we're his. We're his creation. We're his beloved. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knew us before we were even born. Again, love has no rhyme or reason. I can tell you right now, in my own experience, the people that, I mean, I'm attracted to, and you think about your own taste, like how messed up are our own desires sometimes and things that we like. We like what we like, right? And Christ knew men were like this. That's why he has the Song of Songs as, a, as the song about his relationship with his church, his bride. It's a love affair. Because there's nothing greater on this earth than love. Because God is love, his spirit on this earth. There's nothing greater than his spirit on this earth. God himself, love on this earth. And now the image of him with his church, marriage. The depiction of God's love for mankind. Marriage. But God knows we need to walk in wisdom because he tells us here that if you were to give all of your wealth, all of your house, everything you own just to get loved, well, nobody would respect it. Nobody would accept your offer. People like to fight for love. They like to earn love. They like the game of catch, of chase and catch. What am I thinking? Catch and release. What am I thinking? Um, Cat and mouse. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, come on. That's fun, (laughs) right? That season in your life is fun, ladies. That's, That's why... You desire it. That's why you have memories of, of older days when you think of love lost. I hope you don't have regrets that you never got to experience that because you boot up right away with whoever you could. You deserve to be chased, ladies. You know we're not going to have a podcast without talking about relationships. You deserve to be chased. Make him chase it. Because if you give it up too easy, he's not going to want it. Men like what they can't have. They like the unattainable. That's just how they are. They're predators. They're macho guys. That's just what they're like. I'm sorry if you don't like that about men. That's, that's what they're like. You need to know that. 
I like that about men. But I know how to play the game. So that's why I don't, I don't mind that they're like that. I try to walk in wisdom because of that. Now, back to Noah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sidetracked here. Back to Noah. Now, we talked about him being, Noah being a picture of like Christ and his family. You know, God wanted to save his son and his family, which is his bride, his church. But also, it's a, it's a depiction of God just wanted to save man from judgment because God loved man. And that's what, that's what love is like. Love won't even let judgment have you. Love won't even let condemnation have you. While the world is going wicked, while, the, while everyone is condemned to die unless they accept Christ, and once you receive Christ, you will never die. Your spirit and your soul will just one day get a new body and we will forever be with the Lord. Love won't even let judgment have you. When this earth is judged again, believers won't be here. Love won't let us, God won't let us, won't let judgment have us. Love judged our sins on the cross. Love died for our sins on the cross. Love judged our sins in the body of another that we would never have to bear it, that by his stripes we could be healed. Love won't let sickness or disease or sin or the judgment thereof have you. Love rescues you. Isaiah 43 and 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame set you ablaze. God won't let anything have you. Not even judgment. Not even condemnation. And if it means he has to give the wealth of all of his house for you to love him, Christ did. Christ gave his entire being for us. And what happened? It's utterly scorned. People reject Christ. We esteem him not. Because we really don't understand. But that's because love is so kind. This was something I wish I had known sooner. I wish I could have grasped sooner that God is more kind and more gentle and more loving than any of us can imagine. Because love is a relationship with God. It's a love relationship. It's intimacy. And I hope a lot of you ladies listening to me are still pure physically. You've not experienced sex. Until you're married. But as someone who, who has not saved myself from marriage, who has messed up in my past, let me tell you, that, was, that intimacy, that relationship, that closeness and gentleness of love, you don't find it really anywhere in life except with a lover. There's very few places that you find that. You know, you find that kind of closeness sometimes with a friend where you can really be that honest and have a heart-to-heart. Sometimes you have moments of it. Hopefully you have moments like that maybe with your parents, your mother, where you can really be honest and have heart-to-hearts. Or a father. But those, those times that you can experience that are very rare. When you have a lover, when you have a relationship with someone you're intimate with, that's, a, that's like a, a constant. That intimacy, that closeness is a constant. Even though you may act different publicly, because you're public, right? You're not going to say those things that you say in private in public. <laughs> that closeness, you really, 
don't experience anywhere else in life. And we know this is true because Genesis talks about as soon as Adam gets his wife, that he shall cleave to his wife. He shall leave his mother and father and a man will experience that intimacy, that closeness, clinging to his wife, his woman. That's someone who's going to, again, have a heart that can be a man's home. That's what, it, that's what it's like. I mean, ladies, there's very few people, very few men in your life that you're going to meet, that you are going to enjoy just sitting in their presence. Likewise for you guys, that you just enjoy being with them. You don't have to talk. You don't have to say anything. You can just be sitting next to them, looking at them, just feeling their presence. And that's and you're content in that. And you like just being with them. There's going to be very few people, and people call it a vibe and energy and stuff now, and I don't believe in all that. I think a lot of that's new age. It's because you're around another spirit. You're a spirit, and he's a spirit. And you're either going to feel, I mean, you'll feel right away like, oh, no, this don't feel right. I don't feel good. <laughs> this doesn't feel good. I don't, something about him I don't like. Well, you may not be able to mentally process or in your head, you know, reason out what it is you don't like or what doesn't feel right. But your spirit is already sending you red flags of whether or not you're, you're comfortable or confident in his presence. Whether or not you feel safe in his presence. He wants to feel safe in your presence and you want to feel safe in his. That's a spiritual thing, folks. And I'm going to say it again. There's going to be very few people in this life that you're going to enjoy just being around. Don't have to say anything. And probably just enjoy looking at them and watching them and just being around them. Again, in his presence is fullness of joy. We're talking about relationship. This is what God wants with us. A divine lover, a love relationship with us. A closeness and intimacy. Because God knows all of our thoughts. He knows our worries, our cares, and our concerns. Is there anything we can do to earn it or deserve it? No. Why does he love us? Because we're, we're man. We're mankind. We're his. We were created in his image and in his likeness. Jesus is a man who loves us, who gave himself for us, who chases us down, who seeks us. And you know what? He's the only man who can withstand our rejection, who can withstand the scorn, the contempt. He's the only man who can, who can bear all of our highs and lows of humanity, the anger, the pain, the sorrow, the suffering. We can't bear it. Why? Because you see how, how men are. They explode. They're angry. They can't control themselves. They're wild. They're full of wrath. They're full of sorrow and depression and sadness. Look at, how, look at mankind. Look at our condition. Look at our current state. We can't bear up under the sorrow and the sin of this world. Even creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God, the actual immortal beings, that kind of sounded funny, immortal beings, that we will be when we are forever with the Lord. We're not meant to live in sin. We're not meant to live in this sin-sick world, this corruptible flesh that can decay and grow old and get bored and, you know, do all the things that it that can be destroyed, right? Can be hurt. And and there's no other person on this earth, ladies, who can bear all of your thoughts, all of your emotions, all of your anger. Go ahead and unleash on your man. Try it. <laughs> it's going to change him. He can't bear up under it. Because there was only one man who was made to bear up under that, and that's God. The God-man, Jesus Christ. He alone is made to be a sacrifice, an atonement for our sins. His blood ran red so that our sins could be washed white. So if you have regrets, 
if you have sorrows, love lost, love forsaken, love never received, Lord God, help me please. It's a line from one of my poems called Flesh of My Flesh. So, if you have regrets, I would ask that you take comfort in Noah's story and the salvation story and and the redemption of mankind. Because before mankind messed up with all the immorality and sleeping with fallen angels, talked about in the book of Genesis, before Adam even messed up in the garden, do you know that God already planned to save man? God already planned to send Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world. That God himself, before he even made the world, chose us to be in him from the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. We would be in love, in God, in Christ. He knew that we would be one day children of God, that we would one day accept Christ. He knew that was our destiny. He knew how to find us. He knew how to send love our way. We were predestined to be adopted as sons of Jesus Christ. From the foundation of the world, before you were ever born, before you ever did anything wrong, there's no sin that can ever separate you from God, not now, not in your past, and not in your future. He knew what we would do. He knew what would happen. I mean, hello, God didn't decide to, God knows everything. All He even created time. So he knows past, present, and future. He knows everything. He's all-knowing. None of us can handle even our own thoughts in our own head all day long. God knows the thoughts of every person in every person's mind all day long. He even knows what the demonic spirits are doing all day long. He knows what his angels are doing all day long. We can't fathom that kind of brain power, folks. That's almighty God. Only God can handle that kind of knowledge. God wants us to focus on Christ, the lover of our souls, the one who died for our sins. We are found in him, free of judgment, in the ark, saved from judgment, saved from wrath, predestined to be children of God, one day to rule with him. We have an inheritance. You know, you're actually going to be a ruler in the life to come. But we actually have an eternal inheritance, another place, another earth. We have a heavenly realm that we will live and exist in. And you know what? You know why sex is such a big deal? It's because it's only happening on earth. Sex does not exist in heaven. I know some of y'all are disappointed. But it doesn't. There will not be marriage. We will not be given in marriage in heaven. So there won't be sex. That's God's way of saying there won't be sex. Because heaven will be like so much better than that. I mean, that's pretty good, folks. (laughs) That's pretty good. Heaven's going to be pretty awesome. And again, this is why love is so important. This is why love can go so wrong. Because is there anything... Uh, more important than love if God is love. This is why it can go wrong, folks. Love can be scorned. And love, once it's, you know, been accepted, and, and ladies, let me tell you something else about a man. Once he's bragged about you and told people he's with you and that he likes you, and then there comes rejection. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. He might not like you anymore. There comes scorn when love is rejected. Only Jesus can handle that. A man usually can't handle rejection. That's why he is so mm, strategic and methodical about putting himself out there 
If he doesn't think he has a chance with you, if you don't give him any signs that it's going to work out, then a lot of times he, he won't put himself out there again just to be rejected. He doesn't want it that bad or, you know, he knows better than to give, he's wise too, he knows better than to give all the wealth of his house for love because he knows he would just be rejected because you've already made it clear that you don't like him or that you don't respect him or whatever the case may be. This is a sensitive, this is a sensitive subject. And if it's like that in a, a man to woman relationship in just a basic love relationship here on earth, and we are that sensitive with other people's feelings and emotions, how much more sensitive do you think God is when it comes to eternal salvation? You think he's going to force it on somebody? You think he's going to demand his own way, demand that you be saved? No, he's going to plead with you. He's going to try to compel you to come into his house and be saved. He is going to invite you to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's going to invite you to the dinner, to the dinner party. He's going to invite you to be a guest at his feast. He's going to present himself to you. That's what love does. That's all love can do. We've talked about this before. It's all love can do is to be there for you and to show you that it wants you. But a man cannot suffer all that rejection. Only Christ can do that. And even Christ, he will so respect your free will, your free decision, that he backs off when you continue to reject him and lets you have your own way. That's what God is like. That's what love is like because love is kind. It doesn't demand its own way. It's giving and it's generous. It's also forgiving. When you're ready to be reconciled, when you're ready to make amends, God is always waiting with open arms. And human relationships, I mean, there's very few people, I mean, like, you probably count them on one hand or less, who are actually like that with you. And usually they're blood relations, mothers and fathers and grandmothers and sisters and brothers, and a lot of times not even brothers and sisters. A lot of times not even spouses. Why? Because people can't usually bear up under that hurt. Why? Because it's a picture of God's love and judgment, especially in marriage. That's a covenant. It's not meant to be broken. You can't buy love. Love is not for sale. All you can do is is ask for it, right? Present yourself to another and if they don't want it ladies if he doesn't want it if she doesn't want it guys all you can do is back away that's all you can do and here's the truth if you're too busy judging someone you can't love them because as we've talked about these things are like polar opposites If you're too busy judging me, you don't have time to love me. If you've already made up your mind about what kind of woman I am when you don't even know me and you've just met me, there's no way that you're going to love me, right? You can't love anyone if you've judged them. That's why God judged our sins in the body of Christ because he knew our sins would separate us from him eternally. If they weren't judged, if he didn't pay for that. This is why the salvation story of Jesus Christ is a love story, a marriage proposal, a marriage situation, a man pursuing a woman. Christ is a man chasing down his bride, his church, with his love, overlooking sin. I mean, when people meet you, they're either looking to judge you. When you first meet them, you can tell they've already judged you and formed an opinion about you. Or they immediately like you. They miss all the red flags, right? 
well, why do women and men both miss all of those red flags? Because, because it's love. They're looking for love. They're looking to love or to be loved in return. So they ignore all those things that perhaps they might, might should judge a little more. Because love and judgment are so polar opposites. And again, Christ bypasses, just like in a love situation, bypasses sin. Overlooks sin. How can he do this? By his own blood. By the blood of Jesus on the spiritual doorpost of our house. We're sealed with his name. Therefore, the angel of death bypasses us. Sin can't have us. The power of, of death can't have us. Satan can't have us because we are sealed. We have an inner marriage with Christ spiritually. We are connected spiritually with Christ, with life itself. And we can never die again. In Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 4, the bride says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. God's beloved, his bride, his church. He sustained me with cakes of raisins. He refreshes me with apples, for I am love sick. So often, love gone wrong is why people don't love or won't love or hate love or have some twisted idea of love being pain, of love actually hurting. Love can be grieved, love can be rejected. Love can be scorned. Love can definitely be grieved because God is love and God was grieved. We read about that. Love can be consulted. But love cannot exist with judgment. In judgment, remember mercy. Polar opposites. In 1 John 4, 18... It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Any and all love, correct love, has that love that has filled up your love tank and made you feel like a, a worthy, dignified human being, something that's not caused you to be puffed up and proud, but something that has truly made you feel worthy of love and being alive has come from God because love first comes from God. Even if that means favor with someone or someone liking you. In this way, love has been perfected among us. That we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are just like him. So if you're a believer in this world, you have God's spirit in you. You have the spirit of love in you. Because you have God's spirit in you. And because God sees us in Christ already, already complete, already perfect, already blameless, all of our sins already put away. We are his vessels and able to love and to be loved. God knew from the foundation of the world who would acknowledge him as God, as Lord. And those are the people who are on the ark, who are in the boat, in Christ, who will be saved eternally in heaven. The Bible often talks about, about God and his goodness by saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, right there in Song of Songs 2, the, the woman, in this case, the, the bride, says, I tasted his fruit and it was sweet to my taste. So again, she's talking about a romance, a relationship. Someone she's not afraid to love. Love and judgment are polar opposites. You can't have fear in love. 
can't be afraid to love someone. You can't be afraid to share your wounds and your story with someone. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. And we love because God first loved us. That's 1 John chapter 4. Ladies, men, women, once you taste something, you can begin to develop a taste for it. That's why God asks you to taste him and see that his, he's good. His ways are good. That's why 1 Corinthians also tells you to flee sexual immorality. You're not going to be able to resist that man. You're not going to be able to resist temptation in that sexual area. God created sex. He knows it's good. That's why he doesn't say stick around and see if you can say no. He knows you need to get up out of there because it's going to go down if you don't. Because that's what, that's what flesh is like. Love is hard to resist. Intimacy is hard to resist. Wanting to know someone in that way, that is the ultimate temptation. That's why God wants you to keep your virtue, be virtuous, and don't let other people experience you that way. That's supposed to be a gift for your mate. This goes to both sides. Ladies, if he's just trying to taste you, I mean, he may not be playing for keeps. You might need to, to bounce for real, for real. Because a man who's trying to protect your honor and your dignity is not going to go around telling everybody what y'all did. And guys, if women weren't so valuable, then why are you trying to get so many women? If women are nothing and you think they're such dirt and trash, then why do you need so many of them? Why are you bragging about them? Why are you telling your boys and why are having so many women a status symbol to you? I guess you hadn't listened to my one podcast (laughs) about, um, what was it, (laughs) Tamaro? About on and on and on. And uh, the guy who was spilling seed and God just killed him. Boom, like that. God cares about our sex lives. He cares about our love lives immensely. He cares about our hearts tremendously because he knows our hearts and our affection are tied up in a lot of those sexual things. He knows it can destroy you. If you can't control your your emotions, if you can't bridle your passions, God knows it. That's why Proverbs talks about that. In the straight from Jump Street, straight from the beginning, it talks about that. And then he ends it with you know, after you've learned those lessons, the beginning of Proverbs in the Book of Wisdom, he ends it with Proverbs 31 about what it's supposed to look like, because he knows you're gonna be tempted to go astray. That's why he says flee immorality. You can't resist him. You can't say no to that guy. Don't get alone with him. Be around friends. Be around family. Have him tested. Because you know, you know you want him. You know you do. That's why you won't bring him around other people. That's why it's just you and him. Because then you don't have to subject him to all that, right? You can just be with him without jumping through all the hoops and the rigmarole. But that's all for your own safety. Remember, Christ is your first husband. You are his bride. You are his. Oh, and we're going to end this podcast. And I apologize for all the crazy planes flying overhead if you've heard them. That's just what happens around here. (laughs) We're going to end this podcast with... The exact same way that we started as we often do. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. That's judgment. God's judgment can't even drown his love for us. Yet if a man were to offer for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly scorned, despised, Nobody wants that kind of ending. Nobody. Nobody wants to be rejected. 
Nobody wants to be despised. Oh my goodness, Lord, no. Doesn't feel good to be hated, right? That's to be despised. To be hated when you're over there trying, asking to be loved, and instead you get hatred. Wow. Now that is a tragic love story. That is a tragic tale if I ever heard one. So ladies, remember. Because love can be scorned. It might end in rejection and hatred. Love is not to be played with. And gals, you're the prize. You're the thing he's seeking after. Even Christ. Now guys, Christ is also seeking after you to be your lover, the lover of your soul, your divine mate. So let's end the podcast with another verse from Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 12. And ladies, this is for you because verse 12 says that your vineyard, your own vineyard is yours to give. Don't give it up freely. Don't give it up easy, ladies. Because you could give all the wealth, all the virtue of your house. And it could be utterly scorned. But no matter how immoral anyone has been in the past. When you believe on Christ Jesus. You are safe in the ark. You are saved by his blood. All your sins are forgiven and washed over. You are cleansed by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. You are saved from perdition. You're not an angel. You're not a fallen angel. You're not a demon. You're not a monster. You're not a devil. You're a man. You're a a human. You're mankind. You are God's beloved creation and the one that he wants to save in the ark. The object of his affection. No matter what mankind has put you through or how love has wounded you, Christ knows how to love you perfectly. He knows how to save you completely and that's why I implore you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved God does not regret creating mankind his beloved creation the ones who he's known from the foundation of the world who are predestined and he knows will receive him He knows who will reject him all the days of their life. And he knows who will receive him. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't let it be blotted out in the eternal realm because you continue to reject Christ, the atoning sacrifice for all of your sins, even all of your immorality. If he can save me, honey, he can save you. I pray this has blessed you. I pray you wouldn't roll around in self-pity and doubt and regret any longer. God loves you and he saved you safe from all judgment eternally. You will be his.